Rise and shine, my little friend. This is Ants Under the Sun. Let's observe. Yokohama welcomed me with clouds. A city south of Tokyo with a wonderful port. A lovely place to take a walk in. I had always known it to be beautiful with clearer skies, given past dates there, but this visit had a slight melancholy behind it. That's all right. I was here to heal. I was here to enter a museum. The Yokohama Museum of Art was celebrating its 30th anniversary with decades of collections, ranging from classics to local creative works. I could taste the pride in that number, and I could feel the air of history behind it too. They are currently being taken care of by the Yokohama Arts Foundation until 2023. This foundation also takes care of other buildings, like the Minato Mirai Hall and the Red Brick Warehouse. But enough about that. I entered, and a pair of eyes met me. The Grand Gallery, with its expansive space and 20 meter high ceiling, housed a large animal, a collaboration between professional artists and Artists in the making, teenagers and children. It was made from a mixture of smaller animals that ate seeds and plantation. This massive animal bathed its presence in this main massive room, like the interior of a Japanese pantheon that houses history. Standing in the middle, I'm pit between two opposing fronts of marble lining and curiosity, with these two eyes that watch my every move. It could be my own illusions, though. I paid a thousand yen and started anti-clockwise. Rising up the escalator, I met with strangeness. The works of Joan Miro, a painter and sculptor hailing from Barcelona, one of the greatest influences in 20th century surrealism and contemporary art. And here I am seeing one of his works. Beside Miro hung an explanation of the current collections on display, translated of course in Japanese and English. They were split into different rooms. All according to a title and theme. I went to the first one. The first room, reflections of passion. It was darker, with strong spotlights to indirectly highlight the specific arts in question. Maybe it was the lack of light, but walking in, I felt a certain cold creeping up my skin. It could be the emotion at work. People were observing in silence. A dark and moving crowd going anti-clockwise again. One kid was shouting in excitement near the entrance, being told to shush by his, I assumed, mother, with his little brother in tow. They followed the atmosphere soon after. Here's a small excerpt from the description: "Quote: The Yokohama Museum of Art collection contains more than 800 works of Nihonga." Japanese-style painting dating from the end of the Edo period (1603 to 1868) through the present day, reflecting the history of Yokohama since the port first opened in 1859. Of particular importance are works by the members of Nihon Bijutsui, the Japan Art Institute, who played a crucial role in establishing the genre of Nihonga and explored various creative possibilities in an era when numerous Western cultural influences were emerging in Japan. Encounters with Western painting led to new interpretations of old subjects, as characters appearing in classical Japanese literature, such as the Tales of Ise, and in No and Bunraku plays, were rendered realistically with volumetric substance. End quote. 
This section was mainly led by the Japanese contemporary artist Tabaimo. Real name is Ayako Tabata, internationally renowned for her thought-provoking video installations. One such installation, titled Aitai Jose, was available for viewing here. According to Tabaimo, Aitai Jose combines several Japanese words, Sotaise, which means relativity, Aitai, which means to miss someone. Aitai Jini, which is the act of double suicide by lovers, or more commonly known as Shinjun, and Jose, which means woman. It's based on two stories, the first being the love suicides at Sonezaki by Chikamatsu Monzaimon, and Akuni, or villain in Japanese, by Yoshida Shuichi. She brings in two characters from each story, Ohatsu and Kaneko Miho, two women involved in the sex industry and who fall in love with men in their respective stories, and brings you two different perspectives on love through this video installation. It's a bit difficult to describe the installation in words, but let's try. Her statement read the following, quote, I feel that Ohatsu, who chose to die for love, was someone very different from me. At the same time, I had a sense of sympathy with Kaneko Miho, despite her unusual occupation, and after I finished reading Akunin, I felt like she was always with me. I hope that the stories worn by each character will interact and react in this room and spin personal stories for each viewer. End quote. The statement was paired with a moving animation of a sofa and table representing Ohatsu and Tokube, her lover, in a room represented as Kaneko Miho. These objects were slowly engulfed by dark love. They were sex workers, women of the deep dark desires of humanity, professionals in satisfaction, yet they fell in love. They fell too far, and in so become engulfed by what they wanted all along. I continued on to see painted illustrations of our fears, of specters, demons, ghosts. Back then, that was the most prominent way to visualize our darkest fears. Fear could be found in their eyes. Or is it my own fear reflecting back at me? We'll never know. I met with Nihonga, Japanese art from the 15th, 16th century. And instead of the usual hokusai or echisen, we were met instead with Kiyotaka and Yamamura Koka. Instead of great tidal waves crushing small boats, we had people. Greater disasters than what nature can offer. Especially embedded in my varied memory were portraits of Kiyohime, a woman painted in flat, beautiful colors. I guess there were plenty reflections of passion when it came to music, with koto, or portraits of courtesans from the 1900s. We could interpret it that way. The greatest elements of passion came from lust or an overstimulant pair of ears. There were notes that can cause one to paint or friction that can cause one to come to the canvas. Still, taking this in, I was stopped by one of the staff to switch from pen to pencil. Nen no tame, she said, just in case. She gave me a pencil branded by the museum. Weird, I thought to myself. Maybe there were others doing the same thing. Someone must have done some damage. Uh, well, I had to oblige. They wanted to keep it clean. I understood, though my notes started to become scribbles from here on. 
The second half of this large room, I could browse the magazines from the Meiji era, with clusters of illustrations filling the pages. They weren't on woodblocks, which is what we normally expect of Nihonga, but similar in intent or feeling. The colors were flat and layered, and once together you get various scenes. There were beautiful intricate kimono colors, an amazing variety. Vermilion, lavender, azure, a mix of each moderation. They stood out, but they only served to complement the aesthetics of the beautiful woman in question, just as all clothes do. Speaking of beautiful women, most of these illustrations were of that kind. The features were slender, the faces round, slim eyes and tied hair akin to geisha. They were in different poses and forms, sitting down, leaning by the balcony, staring at the mountains. The largest display spanned 8 to 10 meters in size, a huge painting of two women laying down, playing cards, all painted with seduction in mind. Some of the illustrations became international. There was a line of flags hung over a scene. Could be a bar, perhaps. The Western countries lined up the ceilings in the picture, mostly the ones Japan had traded with. There were Western sailors, ogling over the decks at the pretty birds on smaller boats. Lust had been painted. But really, the one commonality with all these illustrations from the Meiji-era magazines were the vistas of red sun, spring, and rain, and a certain sadness in the eyes of the kabuki women that they could stare into such beauty nature could offer and could not sustain their own beyond the realm of time. For nature does not care about seconds, days, weeks, or years, and chose to become beautiful endlessly for us to admire. It is through these experiences that we paint, we illustrate, we capture into a canvas, and we sell it to our fellow men and women. It's a cycle, isn't it? Of observation, capture, expression, and pursuit. I believe that cycle to be the reflection. It's a passion to us beings to continue the cycle because it sustains us. It keeps us alive. It gives us meaning. It gives us art. It brings us one step closer to nature. Beyond time, keeping us beautiful. Passion is beautiful. I left the room and carried on to the next one. The sun is setting, my little friend. Back into the burrows. This was part one of the Yokohama Museum of Art. You can get there by walking from Minato Mirai Station in Yokohama, a ways away from Tokyo. It's a lovely place for a getaway. Ants Under the Sun is a podcast created, hosted, and written by Norman T. Chella, a Malaysian of the Iban tribe from Borneo Island. That's me. For more on this show, you can check out thatsthenorm.com slash ants. Once again, that's thenorm.com slash ants. It's where I house all my other shows, too. 
songs used in this episode were the following Mesmerize and Pepper's Theme from Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com. <laughs>